I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. Greetings and welcome to Thoughts from Meharry Head, the weekly podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 26 of Thoughts from Meharry Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. This week, I'm going to talk about why we should look at people as individuals and not as groups. like most Americans look at the world as a big collection of different groups. You've got blacks and immigrants and gays, refugees, white men, liberals, conservatives, women, etc., etc., etc. I understand that in some ways this is a necessary phenomenon. Our brains work by categorizing things and, and grouping them together. It helps us sort things out and make sense out of a chaotic world. But I think we ultimately need to fight this grouping tendency when it comes to people, because it can lead to some really ugly thinking. In fact, when it comes to people we actually know, we tend to abandon these group categorizations. That's why an unrepentant racist can say with complete sincerity, well, I have plenty of black friends. Getting to know somebody erases those group characterizations and stereotypes. You just see him as Joe, not some black dude. Of course, we can't know everybody. As a result, we fall back on group stereotypes. I contend this is lazy thinking, and we should fight it for all we're worth. So imagine you just bought a bag of beautiful red apples. You get one out, you take a bite, and it's just nasty. It's one of those grainy, mushy, juiceless apples that you get sometimes. Like, it almost makes you gag as you bite into it. So, you throw the whole bag out. Well, little did you know that every other apple in that bag was juicy, crunchy, and delicious. You just deprived yourself of a bunch of great apples because you judged the whole bag based on one. Quite frankly, that's dumb. And judging people based on their membership in this or that group is just as dumb. Many of the group categories we create in American politics don't even really make any sense. Take my wife, for instance. She would be categorized as a black woman. Now, in political circles and in the media, we hear about blacks all the time. In fact, they talk about black people as if they are some kind of monolithic group with identical points of views, interests, struggles, and experiences. This is absurd. My wife grew up in rural West Virginia. Her background and experiences differ vastly from those of a black man raised in inner city Chicago. As a result, they likely have very different worldviews. Yet, to hear the media and the political pundits talk, you'd assume they must be pretty much the same because, well, they share common skin pigment. 
In fact, another black man who grew up just a block away from that same man in an inner-city Chicago neighborhood may well have vastly different experiences and points of view. They are different people. Calling them black tells us virtually nothing about them in reality other than the color of their skin. So why do people run around and make sweeping statements about the black experience or the Hispanic experience or the woman's experience or the gay experience? Groups don't have experiences. Individuals do. Some of them may be similar. Many likely aren't. But you see, the political class loves groups because they provide the perfect vehicle to divide and conquer. I'm convinced that all of the harping on racism and sexism and whatever other ism you can think of fosters racism, sexism, and all kinds of other isms. Politicians capitalize on this, running around screaming about the latest injustice against this or that group. That makes people in some other group get defensive because, well, they feel attacked. They start looking at the first group with distrust. Then some different politician rushes to that group's defense and gets them all stirred up about whatever injustice he can sell. Really, all these guys are doing is creating voting blocks that can then pit against each other. We're all fighting, and the political class is using it to consolidate power. Political theatrics will never stop racism or sexism or homophobia or any other group-related social ill. The only cure is to stop lumping people into irrelevant groups and consider how you would treat them as individuals. It's different, you know, the way you would treat an individual compared to a group. This became really clear to me with the refugee crisis. I can totally understand people's reluctance to let a bunch of Middle Eastern refugees into the U.S. considering the possibility terrorists might sneak in with them. This isn't racism or hatred. It's not mean-spirited. It's common sense concern for safety. It's easy to support a policy of exclusion when you look at them as a mass of refugees. But if you came face-to-face with a woman and her child hungry, wet, and cold— I bet you wouldn't hesitate to take them in and care for them, regardless of the foreign policy implications. A faceless mass with a label is a far different thing than a living, breathing human being. Governments deal with this as groups. They love the faceless mass. Individuals, not so much. Governments can get away with claiming to fix problems for a group, a.k.a. a voting block, but they cannot plausibly claim they will solve your individual problems. Think about it. Do you really trust government to solve any of your actual day-to-day problems? Of course not. Government centralizers are selling us a load of crap. They've got you all focused on groups, and they blinded you to the most significant yet most vulnerable minority there is. You, the individual. A giant painting hangs in the Salvador Dali Museum in St. Petersburg, Florida, called The Discovery of America by Christopher Columbus. The canvas measures over 14 feet tall and spans more than 9 feet in width. It depicts Columbus landing in America in symbolic fashion. The painting features an intricate hodgepodge of colors, shapes, and figures, swirling in a way that almost overwhelms the senses. From a distance, it blends together in a chaotic fashion. But 
Get up close, and you will notice amazing details. They're impossible to see from farther away. For instance, Dolly painted himself into the scene. He depicts himself as a kneeling monk clutching a crucifix. Spears on the right side of the painting hide the image of the crucified Christ. And on the bottom left, you will notice flies, a symbolic nod to a Catalan folk legend about St. Narcissus' crypt. The further one stands away from the painting, the more difficult it becomes to see these amazing details. Individual elements crucial to the story fade away at a distance. In the same way, politics causes us to lose focus on individuals. Centralized governments respond to groups, not people. The significance and relevance of the individual disappears when the government gets too big and too far away from the people. Proponents of centralized power in the U.S. argue that minorities need a strong federal government to protect them. But politicians and bureaucrats define minorities as groups, blacks, Hispanics, Muslims, gays, etc. They ignore the individual. In fact, politics homogenizes people and sticks them in silos. It strips people of their individual characteristics, their differing opinions, and their divergent worldviews, and pits them against each other based on meaningless criteria such as skin color or how they have sex or how they worship or don't. It's time to stop. Look your neighbors in the eyes and see them as beautiful, unique individuals, not members of some dumb group. Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from Meharry Head. We're another 10 minutes closer to freedom. I really appreciate you listening. If you enjoyed the show, please do me a favor and spread the word. If you haven't already, make sure you go to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. And feel free to send me any thoughts or ideas at michael.meharry at 10thamendmentcenter.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.